Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself that we are all carrying around different stressors, big and small. But when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And naturally, that can start to affect everything else around us, too. Therapy can be a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I know that therapy isn't for everyone, but it definitely has benefited me in the past with learning how to sit with my feelings, set boundaries with people, And I don't know, learn how to function with a little less shame. But if you are thinking of starting therapy and access has been hard for you, maybe BetterHelp is the right fit. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. You can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MakeYourBed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MakeYourBed. Oh, good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. Today, we're talking about hope, and I'm mainly just reading a bunch of quotes from a Substack post by PhD Aisha Khan from Woke Scientist. And as always, the resources I will be reading from and using will be in the show notes, and I highly recommend checking them out in their entirety because they won't have my commentary on them, and you'll be able to see all the magical shit I had to leave behind for sanctity of time and not trying to just steal someone else's words completely. But this one was another one that just stopped me in my tracks, and I figure why try to rewrite what's already been written perfectly? So I'll quote here and say, Hope is the bedrock of all liberation struggles. It may not be easy to come by, especially in the quote-unquote West. I see people struggling to remain hopeful or stuck in a sea of despair. And I know that I tend to oscillate between hope and hopeless. And the author ties it back to capitalism, saying, hopelessness is often most pervasive among the privileged, who are more insulated from overt violence. She digs really deep into some very insightful thoughts about Palestinians, which I highly recommend reading on your own, but I'll summarize it with this sentence. Palestinians remain steadfast in their unrelenting pursuit of freedom generation after generation. However, their fight should not be glamorized. Their resilience is a necessity born out of atrocities that are unimaginable to most of us. It is not a struggle they asked for. The violent colonial occupation of their indigenous homeland is an undeniable reality they're born into. 
Their only choice is to resist or passively accept the annihilation of their people. And I know this is deeper and heavier than I get, but this sentence alone made me feel like I needed to share more than the regular amount with you. Aisha says, So is hope even a choice? Or is it a flame people across history are simply compelled to keep burning in order to survive? How have collectivist communities resisting colonialism around the world remained hopeful in the face of seemingly insurmountable oppression? Going on, she says, how did they simultaneously carry pain, grief, hope, and joy? Why is hope prevalent and widespread among those on the front lines of the struggle, but often scarce among those at the peripheries who are shielded? Her theory is that it comes down to individualism and colonial values. But there is hope in resistance movements. Historically, people have consistently fought for freedom and their right to love, whether it be each other or the land or diverse cultures or ancestors. Communities have dismantled entire empires. It took generations of unyielding resistance. It took a lot of faith, conviction, and belief in a free future. It took decades and often centuries of work. But people have freed themselves. They always have. Aisha asks, what can we learn from them? And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I usually don't just quote other people's words completely, but I can't help it because this one is specifically so good and I want to tattoo all of it to my body. But until then, listen to these words. Hope is not a feeling generated by an individual from within. Hope is a flame that is intentionally co-created in community. And then it permeates and passes through us all. And before she drops the mic, she says, Hope is a fire that is tended to and kept alive by the collective efforts of many. Just like any life-giving, life-sustaining energy that circulates within an ecosystem, we depend on each other to have hope. Like survival, hope is a collective responsibility, not an individual burden. So we have to play our role in seeking out community when such hope can be co-created. Hope is not a goal to achieve or a destination to arrive at. People get disillusioned when they don't see immediate results. And this impatience defines capitalist and colonial societies that socialize us as people to chase self-centered goals and individual fulfillment and achievements. She says people, but she's talking about me because she says we're hooked to garnering validation from achieving something while ignoring the process itself. People want to climb mountains, not for the journey, not for the lessons, not for the growth or transformation, but just so they can conquer the summit. And I'll add probably so they can post it on social media. And as much as it hurts to hear sometimes, I really adore any author that can peg me and make me feel complacent and not guilty in that complacence, but fired up to fix it. And I got that a couple times in this, but this one particularly fucked me up. She says, People engage in activism as though it's an external activity separate from their personal life, expecting the same outcomes as in their career or job. They expect productivity and results and some sort of perceivable or identifiable success. And damn, the capitalism runs deep in my veins because it does feel like a win when I can accomplish a goal and have a set thing come out of it. But activism in itself, community work in itself, connecting with your community is amorphic. It doesn't have a form. It doesn't have a goal. It doesn't have an ending. It's not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's not a race at all. It's a collective struggle for liberation. And again, I'm quoting here, but it says, 
I'm not saying it's not important to celebrate our strides and any movement that we make. It's necessary for us to practice joy. But it's not really sustainable to attach joy to narrow definitions of achievement and quote-unquote success. She says hope is a cultural practice and a collective tradition, reaffirming our need to focus on the day-to-day, the process, and not just some goal. We need to intentionally practice co-creating and being present in the small moments that cumulatively lead to freedom. Not because there's a trophy waiting for us to grasp at the end of the road, but because each moment is life-giving in itself. And I'll wrap up her quotes with this. Hope comes from each moment and community where we're embodying values of collective liberation despite the capitalist or colonial hellscapes that try to keep us from each other. Hope comes from every moment where we realize how connected we are to the land as a butterfly lands on a flower. Hope comes from the moments we see collectivism embodied all around us. Birds intricately oscillating in formation, moving as one big synchronized whole, following and leading each other along, twisting and turning in unison, a collective display of unity called a murmuration. And when considering the brutality of the genocides that our governments and many other governments are partaking in with our tax dollars, despite the lack of support from the general population, we must recognize that it might be heartbreaking, but there is hope. And she reminds us that we're not fighting for us. We're fighting for those who come before us and those who will come after. We have to fight as though the freedom we envision can be actualized right now, but also commit to fighting regardless. And if you're like, Julie, this is all grand. How do I do it? Don't worry. The author's got you covered. She says, the act of thinking beyond yourself as an individual generates hope. We don't need perfect hypothetical utopia of tomorrow to arrive and experience real hope, but we do need to put the work in co-creating it so that it's all around us when we're open to it. It's not our responsibility to achieve or win liberation and feel defeated if we're not able to actualize that in real time. Instead, we must simply play our role with unwavering dedication and steadfast faith. We have to be willing to push the boundaries of what we thought was possible What real steps will genuinely lead to liberation? And I'll leave you with the final paragraph. It says, Begging politicians, the rich, or celebrities to do something is not a source of hope. Dreaming of a free Palestine and acting on that dream today gives us hope. Finding people to fight and struggle with is life-giving. Drawing threads between our distress and struggle is life-sustaining. Ultimately, it is revolutionary direct action that creates hope building towards it, forging relationships around it, engaging in it, and supporting oppressed people as they engage in it. Again, I highly recommend you read this entire post. It is moving, and it really did give me a sense of enlightenment and hope in a way that I hadn't really allowed myself to take on before reading it. That will be linked in the show notes if you're interested. In the meantime, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Drink some water, take care of yourself, And get your ass involved in some direct action. I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, cutie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com